Hi there, folks, and welcome. Welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Zivna Kajimam, again. And this podcast is brought to you, among others, by Native Shark, which is an online platform for learning Japanese. And what Native Shark do is they make learning Japanese really, really simple. So you just show up, click a button that says study now, and the platform will then show you exactly what you need to learn next based on your progression. Now, this may sound simple and in practice it is, but the way it's designed means that students who use Native Shark once a day for four to five months can complete the equivalent of over two years of university study. And what they're also unique in is that they teach all of the types of Japanese that you wouldn't normally get in traditional schools or textbooks. And if you've ever studied with one of the more common textbooks that foreigners usually pick up, you've probably noticed that there are a lot of sentences or conversations in there. That you'd never really hear in real life, and vice versa. Some of the stuff you actually hear when you're out and about in Japan is never really covered in these traditional textbooks. So, this isn't the case with Native Shark. It's very well grounded in everyday spoken Japanese, whether it's casual or formal language. And you can really expect, like one of the students writes in their reviews, you can really expect to be picking up the sort of little nuances that no one would expect a non native speaker to use. And that's pretty rare for most Japanese courses. So, yeah, really, really useful platform. And since you've heard about it here on the podcast, you also get an extra little bonus. If you sign up using the URL nativeshark.com forward slash NTI, we'll link to it in this episode's show notes. That's native without an E, so N A T I V shark, all one word, dot com forward slash NTI. Use that link to sign up and you'll get a double length free trial. So, two weeks free instead of the one. And you can sign up for that free trial without having to put any、uh, credit card or anything of the sort in there. So give it a go, you won't regret it. All right, so we're back to our Wednesday Clubhouse room. This one was recorded a couple of months ago during Golden Week. So we were still a bit in the dark as far as vaccinations are concerned, as you'll hear in the recording. And I'm pleased to report that these are finally being rolled out. We're up to about 20% of the population、uh, to date fully vaccinated, with about 30% having already received their first shot.、Um, I've personally got mine booked for tomorrow, actually. So things are finally looking up here in the land of the rising sun. And from people's experience, once the few initial setbacks were worked through, things are now actually progressing. Quite smoothly. So, we still don't know when the skies will open up again and when people will be able to enter the country freely, but we should at least be able to finally get out there and have a few drinks with friends or a night out on the town、uh, in a month or two, fingers crossed. So, on this particular day, we took quite a few questions from a couple of very active members of the audience. And that in turn kicked off a bunch of very interesting conversations on various topics. So, we're talking about buying properties and putting them under children's names at first, which of course brings up the topic of gift or inheritance tax. Then we get into some other taxes, running costs, the advantages and disadvantages of investing in Japan, and how investment strategies here are different than they are in other countries. A whole lot of talk about bank loans and mortgages, either for owners, occupiers, or investors,、uh, which are, of course, mainly available to residents. And then we also talk about owning versus renting, living in a mixed home investment property scenario,、um, borrowing to live versus borrowing for investment, and other creative scenarios. And we've got Emil Gorgis, the Tokyo Family Home and Mortgage Master, Matt Ketchum, the Akia Guru, with us once again, and yours truly. So, really nice, long conversation. Hope you enjoy it, and I'll see you again on the other side. So, yeah,、uh, thank you,、uh, everyone, for joining. This is a foreigner's guide to buying real estate in Japan.、Um, uh, we host this every Wednesday at 1 30 p.m. 
my name is Emil. I'm a real estate agent here in Tokyo. Uh, foreigners uh, purchase a, uh, their own family home uh, in, in Tokyo. Um, and we also arrange financing. So we work with the banks. So any questions you have about financing or the real estate purchase process for your personal home, uh, I can uh, help you with that. Uh, and then I'll just hand over to Ziv and Matt, the other moderators in this room, and they can quickly do an introduction of this themselves. And then we can get on to your question, Madlana. And uh, we also have Abdias. A, a I think I'm pronouncing it right in the room. So yeah, if you have any questions you want to ask, please also raise your hand and we can bring you up to speak. But Ziv, please go ahead and do your introduction. Uh, yeah, thanks, Emil. So uh, my name is Ziv. I've been in Japan for um, going on nine years now, and we've had our business for about 10 years now, which is a uh, property investment consultancy. So we're buyer advocates and portfolio managers and people who live in Japan or out of Japan um, and speak uh, English or um, Italian or French or Hebrew. We provide them with services to research and do due diligence, negotiate, buy, uh, sell if they want to at some stage and also manage their portfolios anywhere in Japan. All right, thank you. Uh, I'm Matt. I am the co-founder of Aki and Inaka. We help uh, clients dig through all of the dirty data about abandoned properties in Japan. Uh, we are buyer's reps and we take them through the due diligence process all the way to closing on rural uh, vacant slash abandoned uh, properties across Japan. <laughs> Great, thanks. Um, okay, cool. So, that's for Lana, please, yeah. Uh, I actually, quickly, uh, usually we also have Tracy Nolke up. She's the uh, Minpaku Queen. She helps us um, answer questions about any short-term stays. Uh, she's not available to join us right now, but, uh, yeah, she's also usually one of our wonderful co-hosts we have regularly in this room. Uh, so, Lana, sorry, go ahead. You were saying in your question you're looking to buy an investment property under, uh, for your son? Yes, yes. So I was thinking to buy, but the owner should be my son, not me. And he is 16 years old, and I want, like, how to say, so neither me nor my husband can influence this property, so it should be only, like, my son's one. So that was my question, and I wanted to buy it with um, loan, not cash. And uh, so, yeah, but the bank told me that I can't do it. So I can only be the owner. So who pays the loan? He or she is the owner of the place, actually. So, yes, yes, yes. yes. So because like, like in Russia, we can do it. We can like nominate any owner. We can do it on kids under kids name, but still we can pay. So in Japan, it seems impossible, right? Like in general. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Um, when it's a, a loan, the bank in. So I'm from Australia, and you know we can do sort of similar things to some degree. Uh, in Japan, no, that's not the case. So, as you said, whoever is paying the loan is the person who should be the owner. Uh, I think from the bank's perspective, if they are loaning you money, and you decide to stop paying or you something happens to you and you can no longer pay. Um, they want to get the house back, but it's not your house. It's your son's property. So how are they meant to get it back? So that, that's why, um, you know, it's the, the way it is, is yeah, the, whoever is paying the loan needs to, uh, needs to be the owner or rather whoever is giving, whoever the bank is giving the loan to 
should be the owner because they're seeing you on your ability to pay. Um, then you need to think, the other thing you need to think is, okay, why are you, why should it be in the, under your son's name and not your name? Uh, is, you know, or alternatively, why can't you be sort of joint owners? Also, you know, he can be a part owner. Um, you, know, you can buy it under your net. You can get the loan. That's fine. And put your son as a part owner. Um, one thing you do need to be careful of is, uh, I, I now I don't know the, the specific details, but um, I have heard it discussed in the past when I, we arrange home loans is uh, about the gift tax. So if you're paying for all of it, um, this is just with a typical married couple. Right. Let's say often if they have a child and that the wife is not working, he's a full-time mum. If the wife is given fifty percent of the property, even though she's not paying it off, the tax office may say, "Well, that's a gift. You're gifting her fifty percent of the property." Right. So, and I feel that could be a similar situation. Uh, even if you were to put it part of it in your son's name. If he's not actually paying for it, technically it's a gift. So you may want to speak with an accountant about the gift tax, how that works. Which, and that's pretty pretty high in Japan from what I hear. Yeah, 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 I understand it. Yes, and okay. And the next question is about taxes and like if I'm going to rent it, to give it to rent, this apartment or something, so uh, I have to pay... Uh, property tax, right? And Kandihin. Kandihin is a maintenance fee. And plus, plus, plus. So it, this actually also stops me because it means that if I, ha if I don't have any tenant for like six months or something like that, that it will be like out of my budget, right? So it will be also my expenses to pay like Kandihin maintenance fee and like property tax and like other electricity, all these expenses. Yes, that's correct. And that's why we do due diligence before we purchase properties to understand exactly what we can expect from them uh, rental-wise, vacancy-wise, and with all of these expenses. But um, that's not really different to anywhere else in the world. I mean, property tax, and if you're buying a unit in a condominium block, then you'll also have monthly building fees. Um, that's the case anywhere. So what you normally do is you assume, based on the area, you you can assume uh, what your vacancy is going to be. And there are, of course, some things that you can do to try and reduce vacancies and increase occupancy and make the property more attractive. And then you take into consideration that it's going to be vacant a certain percentage of the time. And you want to make sure that your, um, that your cash flow and your yield works even with those assumptions. And that's all things that you do in the deal analysis phase, so before you actually buy the property. Okay, okay, thank you. Yeah, I understand it too. So, yeah, I just I need some more time to think it over and also now. So, what about the prices now during this corona thing? I know like many places they are open and they can't find tenants and all this kind of real estate thing is not working quite good now. So what what are you thinking, guys, about all of this and your prognosis or something about future in Japan in terms of real estate? Well, from an investment perspective, and I'll, I'll let Emil answer um, on his field of expertise, which is family home, but from an investment perspective, 
Um, what we're seeing now is we're not seeing a much larger number of vacancies, uh, but when we do get a vacancy, it can be a lot longer. And that's mainly, I mean, both are, are two sides of the same coin. Because of the pandemic, people are not feeling comfortable to leave their homes. So people who want to relocate are postponing that if they can. And on the other hand, when they do leave, it's also harder to get a, a new tenant in there. But the upside of the entire pandemic situation is that property prices, especially in Tokyo and Osaka, are a lot softer now. So we're seeing prices and yields um, that we haven't seen in the four or five years prior to that period. So it is very much a buyer's market now. And on the residential front, at least, um, it hasn't been really affecting yields. It has been affecting yields to some degree in the commercial sector, but not so much residential. Residential has actually um, picked up in popularity since the pandemic started because it's considered to be a safe and stable asset, especially in Japan where there are no massive layoffs. People always need a place to live and um, residential uh, properties are now considered the safer as They're always considered more safe and stable, but now that's even more attractive to investors. Um, as for the future, that's really anyone's guess. I mean, I'm hoping we'll start seeing vaccines and things going back to normal towards the end of the year. But um, I don't know. Japan is um, it's really slow in that regard, isn't it? Yeah, okay. Okay, thank you, guys. Thank you. I will think and maybe I will ask for some consultation and to like further I will think about it. Thank you very much for your answers. No worries. Thanks for asking, Svetlana. And I will sort of touch on what you said in, in a second, but I'll just do a quick, uh, a quick reset. Um, we've got a few other people joining. So, Maya, Adias, Aya, and uh, Roledo. Uh, yeah, please, if you guys have any questions about real estate in Japan, feel free to raise your hand and, and ask us a question. Um, you know, uh, myself, Ziv, and Matt, uh, between the three of us, should be able have enough experience to answer most of your questions um, related to real estate in Japan. Uh, we're all in the, the real estate field. Um, so yeah, please do just push the hand raise icon at the bottom of your screen and we can uh, bring you up. Svetlana, um, I do want, look, lots of people ask about real estate investing. Um, and they ask about, well, what's a good price? And then they talk about sort of, you know, taxes and and uh, management costs, etc. And it's, it seems to be sometimes... From what they say, I feel they don't really have a good understanding of the whole picture. They've got some bits and pieces here and there, but it's not really a solid picture in their mind. And also, what we have in the—you know—I think you said you're, you're from Russia. I'm from Australia myself. Um, I don't know what the market is in Russia, but in Australia and many other countries, we invest for capital growth. We buy the property at a hundred thousand dollars. And we expect every year it's going to increase in value. It's going to grow in value. And that's where I make my money. I yeah, buy it at $100,000 and it's worth $200,000. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's not, that's not the strategy in Japan. The strategy in Japan is you're going to get a good rental yield. Let's say 5%. I mean, you know, it, it can be a little bit less. It can be a little bit more. Depends on where you, where you go. But let's just use 5% as an example. You put your, you buy a 10 million yen, hundred thousand dollar property, and even though the property is not going to go up a lot, there's not a lot of capital growth in Japan. But then again, there's not a lot of drops. Historically, it's been pretty flat. That's why it's pretty, pretty secure, but it's quite stable. But where you see the, the, the investment aspect is the monthly rental return 
is more it's about you know let's say five percent for example you know you, you can get a little bit higher but that's what it is it's a nice safe secure investment and you're going to get a, a good return even if you consider the, the monthly management fees and the repair fund fees and the land tax right and some of the vacancy periods and maintenance you're still going to get a good solid return on it also the interest rates are very low so that's the strategy in uh, in Japan is you buy it for uh, as a investment tool that gives you nice stable income a good return on your investment um, in terms of cash flow monthly cash flow not capital growth um, speculation yeah yeah I understand thank you that's important because yeah I've been living in Japan for 15 years but um, still for many things I have like mindset of like Russian property or like Russian business something like that and I have to remind myself to switch my mindset sometimes and to see it from another perspective it's actually very interesting as a solid investment and yeah in in general in the end you have an apartment without any loan left like after 20 or 25 years right yeah well it depends well investment loan is different to uh to personal home Mm. Um, yes, yeah, but it could be an investment loan. Maybe the bank will give you eighty percent financing, sixty to eighty percent financing. Interest rate might be about two percent. So okay. you mean investment loan and jitaku loan is different? They're different loans here. Yes, because like jitaku is a home yeah. loan, personal home loan, and that's where you get the zero point five percent, zero point seven percent interest rate. We just signed a home loan contract. Yesterday, and a zero point six seven percent is the home loan interest rate. But if you would like an investment loan, um, and that's almost one hundred percent financing, uh, if you'd like an investment loan, it's going to be more like sixty to eighty percent financing, and so you need to put a twenty to forty percent deposit, and uh, the interest rate will be closer to two percent, if not a little bit higher. Investment loans are not as attractive as um, home loans. So you mean if I take Jitaku loan, like home loan, I cannot, I cannot give it to rent for rent. Technically, no. Okay, okay, I, I got it. Thank and you. That's why you, you yeah, no worries, and that, that's why you can only have one Jitaku loan. So, mm. for example, if you if you own your current house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We and, own yeah. it, and we have this Jitaku loan in your. Yeah, you have Jitaku loan. So let's say you want to buy another house in Yokohama. Mm-hmm. The bank will say, "Okay, we can give you a new Jutaku loan, but you have to sell your first loan. You have to sell your first house." And you say, "Can I keep both?" Yeah. And say, "Well, you're, how many Jutaku loans do you want? How many homes? Which which one is going to be your primary home?" Right? Um, yeah. So you can't just get multiple home loans. Mm, okay. Okay. I at, the, at the home loan rate, yeah. Thank you. No worries. Um. Uh, is it anyone else who'd like to come up? We got hey Maya, have you on uh, in the audience? And Aya and Yuki san. Anyone else would like to come up and ask a question? Feel free to ask. Feel free to raise your hand and come up. Um, or Zibo Matt, if you have anything else you guys would like to contribute, feel free. I just wanted to add to what uh, Svetlana was saying before. I think another major difference between uh, Japan and um, I don't know if all countries, but most other countries, is that the um, 
the tenants here and also the companies that you deal with on a regular basis so the property management companies and the building management companies uh, and even the insurance companies and so forth they're all very very hassle-free so where in another country you would be dealing with um dodgy tenants people that have uh, payment issues or people that refuse to leave when they're supposed to leave or companies that sort of um forget to communicate with you properly and then reach into your pocket and charge you more than they needed to charge that, that sort of thing doesn't really happen here or very very rarely happens here so another attraction of the market is um for investment is the fact that it's a very hassle-free headache-free type of market compared with other countries and the other thing which doesn't maybe apply to uh, tokyo necessarily but to any other parts of the country is that it's um a lot more affordable than it is in other countries so you can actually buy properties here starting from 20 30 40 thousand dollars um for some of these uh, smaller older condo units which is just not achievable in other countries what about yeah i was thinking about cheaper ones too but my i always have um, some doubts in terms of earthquakes i mean old buildings are old buildings right and then you have to pay huge insurance cost for this earthquake like damage or something well insurance because, uh, insurance here is actually very very cheap even for the, cheap. yeah even for the older buildings you're talking about something like uh 200 300 dollars for five years right for these older studio one bedroom units mm -hmm. and the uh, latest earthquake earthquake resistant building codes um for the mansion for the reinforced concrete blocks was actually introduced in 1981 so anything after that um they can be checked and inspected and improved on, but they're basically all built uh, essentially the same way. And the insurance does cover you, um, depending on the official valuation of the company of the uh, property. But the insurance does cover you for a very large part of that, if and when anything happens. So I'd actually, I mean, we we look at properties that are not older than thirty years uh, for other reasons, uh, which I can expand out if anyone is interested. But yeah, I am. I am. Please yeah. explain it later too. Okay, so but so we, we normally don't look at properties that are older than 30, maybe 31 years old, but um, not because of earthquake. So the reason we do that is because starting from next year, there's a new legislation coming in, um, and the details are still a bit vague and unclear, so we don't know exactly what it's going to include, but there's going to be a new legislation enacted which will um, force owner unions, because all of these, when you buy an individual individual condo unit in a co-owned block it means that each of the units is or at least uh, most of the units are owned by separate owners so there's an owner's union that needs to manage the buildings and organize inspections and uh, renovations and repairs and so forth and some of these especially for the older buildings have not been managing the buildings very well so the new legislation is meant to avoid um, to prevent cases where these buildings are um, being neglected and they look terrible they're an eyesore when people pass down the street and they're also sometimes unsafe so what they said they're going to do is they're going to um, put in a system where buildings that are managed properly are going to get a compliance certificate for a well-managed building and buildings that don't um, comply with the, with the new regulations will not get that certificate. And again, we don't know the exact details of what that's, those uh, compliance requirements are going to include, but we're assuming that it's quite possible that 
one of two things will happen. Either the owner union will step up to the task and start doing everything that needs to be done um, to comply with the new regulations and get the uh, certificate, in which case they're probably going to have to raise monthly building fees quite significantly, which they some of them haven't done in many years. Or on the other hand, they might choose not to apply for the certificate. And in that case, the property will lose its value a lot faster compared to other properties that do have the certificate. So until all of those details are clear and to prevent our customers from losing uh, losing their value very rapidly or losing the yield very rapidly if the building fees suddenly start shooting up, we're recommending to them not to go for buildings that are older than 30 years because that new legislation is supposed to apply to buildings 40 years and older. And as you approach that 40-year mark, other investors who might be interested in purchasing the property from you will already be thinking about that and their market price will already, um, their offer prices will already reflect that if you're getting closer to that 40-year mark. So if you're going to be buying a property and you can only get really three, four, five, maybe six years of reasonable returns, and then you have to start thinking about quickly selling it, it's just a situation that we don't want our clients to be in. So again, we're recommending at the moment not to buy anything older than 30, 31 years old, at least until the details on that one are clear. Okay, thank you. Yeah, but can I have your contacts like somewhere because yeah, there, there are so many details I want to ask when I decide to do it and of course I don't want to do it like in a public chat. Yeah, of course, if you click on our profiles, on our pictures, then you'll get the um, you'll get our profile with the contact information. We've all got um, Instagram and Twitter. Some of us, I, I've got LinkedIn uh, on there as well. So whichever way you want to contact us is fine. Ah, okay, okay. Thank you. Sorry, I have to leave now. I, I have to work now. It was nice to talk to you. I will follow you and keep in contact later. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Petlana. Thank you very much. Um, if anyone else has a question, feel free to raise your hand and you can come up on stage and ask us a, a question about real estate. Otherwise, um, if not, I am happy to close out this room a little bit earlier than usual. Oh, hold on, we do have someone. Um, oh, no. Yeah, Aya. Aya, how are you? Uh, hello. Hello, everyone. Uh, actually, I have one question. What kind of question can I ask you? Oh, it's the Russian room today. You're Russian too. Yep. <laughs> Another beautiful Russian woman. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Always welcome. Uh, yeah, ask any question you like, real estate related. Oh, anything about Japan, yeah? You can try, but I'm not sure we can answer everything. Uh, about uh, about <laughs> yeah. real estate. Real estate in Japan, yeah. Okay. Give me a second, maybe a minute. I need to think about it. So it, it is the real estate room, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well while you think about the question, um uh, I do want to sort of touch on uh, what Matt does, uh, which is which is interesting, um, I guess, for people in this room and also for people on the podcast. So Matt, if you want to explain a little bit more about Akia, uh, I do find that quite interesting and there's not a lot of information. So, yeah, so, uh, if you, sure. If we jump in. 
It's um, it's interesting. We were just talking about insurance and stuff. <laughs> I guess that's certainly something to consider when looking into Akia. Akia, for those who don't know, are the uh, not always free, but sometimes free, uh, abandoned or vacant or otherwise unused houses that you often see mentioned in various articles from you know CNN or the BBC or Japan Times or whatever. Um, and so my company, Akia and Inaka deal specifically with these Akia frequently in Inaka, a.k.a. rural Japan, but not necessarily. Akia occur everywhere. Um, they're in Tokyo, they're out of Tokyo, they're nationwide. Um, and so the story thus far has kind of been not very well managed in that you really frequently just see either, you know, some for usually it's a foreign couple bought what I think it was for a song and a dance is what the most recent I think it was a CNN article said, but they don't really give you any details at all about how the hell they did it. Or you hear strangely negative, like overly uh, negative articles about the entire Akio problem, which is what the, the government calls it, saying that all Akio are absolute monsters. They're garbage. They should be judiciously destroyed and don't even think about buying them. Uh, and so what my company, Akin Inaka, does is we dig into that narrative, and it turns out that while a lot of them are indeed garbage and should totally be demolished, not all of them are. Uh, it's like, like many things in Japan, um, there's kind of the, the accepted story, and then there's the actual reality, and the reality itself is relatively difficult to access. Um, and so kind of, in fact, I'm one reason I'm quiet right now is I've got a client I'm talking to. We, um, we basically go from zero all the way through to purchase. And one of the major parts of the, uh, kind of customer or client journey is the research behind it and whether or not you actually want to buy this thing, just like with any other property, be it a new build or something in Tokyo and Ginza or whatever, you need to do your due diligence, especially when you're talking about abandoned buildings, <laughs> right? Um, and so we, uh, you know, determine what their, you know, acceptability param and search parameters are. Uh, using those, we're able to develop uh, possible uh, portfolios of possible properties. That's a lot of keys. I'm sorry about that. Um, from there, conducting due diligence, speaking with municipal offices. Frequently, there's a lot of detective work that needs to be done in tracking down physical documentation of said properties. But at the end of the day, when you're talking about a twenty, thirty thousand uh, dollar, not just building, but the land that comes with it, in you know, right next to a river or whatever. Um, the additional fees on top of that, let's just double the price for the sake of, of what I'm saying right now, and let's double that to 60000 You're still paying 60000 U.S. for what we can determine is a structurally sound, viable thing to live in or conduct your business out of uh, and things like this. So the Akia market, um, and really rural Japan in general, is kind of rife with opportunity right now, and especially since uh, the, uh, what is it, the fourth? Is it the fourth wave, the fifth? I kind of lost count. Um, Let's not count that. that <laughs> what last Friday, I guess, was um, kind of went into effect. We've also seen an uptick in people uh, requesting our services to, you know, get out of the city, basically. Um, so, yeah, I'm losing my wind on that one, but if you've got any questions, happy to answer. So guys, uh, I want to say thank you for this room, for this 
club. Actually, I understand uh, my question, not about real estate, actually. So, I don't know, it's close to real estate, uh, actually. Um, We're all in business too, so if you, got any, if you got any business or investment related questions, generally we can probably help as well, even though it's not the subject. Okay. No, I think uh, my question not right for this, for this room. Sorry, guys, and thank you. <laughs> no problem. So, Emil, maybe uh, do a quick uh, last reset of the room. Just uh, we had a couple of people join, so maybe um, just so they know that this this is the real estate room. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, people, for joining. Um, yeah, this is the foreigners' guide to buying real estate in Japan. So, if you have any questions about the real estate post, uh, purchase process or buying uh, either your personal home or investment properties, or Akia, um, the abandoned properties in rural areas. Um, myself, Ziv, or Matt uh, are all in the real estate game, and we can help answer your questions. So please, uh, if you have any questions, feel free to push the hand raise icon and come up. And uh, oh, we got Dylan. Hey, mate. Uh, let's bring you up to speak. Um, yeah, uh, anyone else, feel free to push the hand raise icon. You can come up to speak. Dylan, how are you doing, buddy? I am doing great. I uh, just found you here in the clubhouse selling property, and I'm looking for a building. Trying to buy something, and uh, the timing is perfect. I didn't know this is the world you were in. Outstanding. Yes, yes. So you guys actually know each other regardless of real estate. That that's refreshing. Oh no no no! We we, we met on Clubhouse. Uh, yeah yeah. We, not, I think not in this just, context. Yeah, I think we've just been in uh, in multiple rooms. Um, yeah, t Tokyo and Japan based uh, rooms and language rooms. Um, right right. So spoken to each uh, other. Here and there. Yep. So I've never been in a room led by you. So this is uh, this is very cool. Great to see you here. Cool. Yeah, it's yeah, good to have you on. Thank you. Um, okay, so what's your question? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, like specifically, what's your question? What would you like, and what can we answer? I would like to buy a building somewhere in Chigasaki area. I'll live on the top floor. I'll make the first floor a cafe. I'll put offices in the perhaps second floor, and the third and fourth floor are residential. So mixed use building. I'm trying to find for finance, and then uh, move on that. I'm starting from zero. I've never done this before. I've owned property in the U.S. I've looked at property. I'm very happy to hear been. you mention Chigasaki. Yeah, that's that's where I'm trying to go. Chigasaki area is the target. For yeah, that's an, that's an excellent spot. Uh, it comes up a lot in conversation about, you know, you can, you can talk about outside of Tokyo, but the fact is Japan's an entire country. It's very large. Um, and so, kind of, yeah, right. And so the spread of... Um, for once, not coronavirus, but people. <laughs> uh, you know, it'll take time, and it'll be step by step, and things like that. And so, Chigasaki is actually one of the cities that comes up uh, pretty frequently in conversations about, like, okay, if I'm going to leave Tokyo for business or pleasure, you know, to move or anything like that, Chigasaki is one of the, the spots that pops up often. Um, so, it's good to hear you talking about that. Well, I, I went to check it out last weekend, so I jumped on the train two hours down from where I live. Okay. It was an easy train ride. They've yep. got this great Shonan Shinjuku line. It takes you, you sit, you get work done, and uh, mm -hmm. then you show up there. The the mall, they had a great mall down there next to one of the stations that uh, really brought in people. And then I went down to the beach. Checked out, I checked out basically the, the whole area. The beach is phenomenal. I'm just looking at the stats now. It actually... Sorry. It, it, it actually looks like the city is growing, which is um, yep. which is rare in Japan. It's yeah. all the people from Tokyo, who you've just mentioned, relocating. So all the old properties are being knocked down and rebuilt. So if you go there now, it's nothing but 
people knocking down buildings and trying to build into that. And so I'm in a, the timing is terrible if you think about it, as people are trying to compete for properties, I'm trying to move in. Uh, and so my, my luck, either it's bad luck or good luck, I don't know which one yet. Well, I'll let Emil, um, I'll let Emil um, preach on the uh, financing aspect and then I might jump in and talk about the investment aspect. Okay, sure, yeah, I was going to, uh, to mention that. Um, so yeah, look, Chigasaki, Fujisawa Chigasaki has always been um, like a, a prime location for people that, you know, do need, need access to Tokyo but want to live closer to the beach because it is like one or two trains, um, 90 minutes. And I know people that live in Fujisawa area and they commute daily to Tokyo. Um, and for me, it feels a bit far, but um, it's still definitely doable. So yeah, that, that's why, uh, and especially now because there's less frequency, like the the need to go to the office is only once a, once a week or once every two weeks. They can justify being further because um, you're only commuting one or two days a, you know, or just even like three or four days a month, if that. Um, but they get to stay near the beach and have a bigger place. So, uh, yeah, definitely a place that's uh, now, I guess, a bit more popular um, because of uh, because of the COVID situation. Um, in terms of financing, right, um, you say you want to live on the top floor. So, in general, when you have a, a uh, mixed-purpose building, uh, that's like part rental, or in this case, you know, part cafe um, or restaurant, and part residential. In general, if over, if you want to get access to home loan financing and home loan rates, you need at least fifty percent, so fifty or fifty-one percent um, plus needs to be residential, and the other, you know, forty-nine percent needs um, or less need needs to be for investment. So, what's a, a common situation is uh, a two-story building the you your residence is the top is the second floor and the first floor might have three or four 1k apartments in it and that is still eligible as a home uh, to get a home loan and home financing um, however what you said it seems like you're gonna have maybe one apartment in it's gonna be a lot less than 50% is what your primary resident is going to be. So in that case, you'll need to go straight up with a, a uh, investment loan. And that's, so I don't have to be honest, I, I can't talk much about investment loans, but what I am gonna say is, it seems you're going the investment loan route and not the home loan route. It, don't limit yourself to thinking that you need to live on the first floor, or on, on, on one of the floors. Right, because it's not going to make much difference with financing. Um, think of it purely as—I uh, would suggest maybe think of it purely as a place for like in, uh, investment. If and if there's a room in there that's suitable for you to also live in yourself, then that's great. But in terms of financing, um, the whole thing should well, won't be eligible for home loan uh, rates and home loan financing um, uh, because less than fifty percent sounds like will be your primary residence. Interesting. Well, this is insights I did not have. Remember, this is the pipe dream. Let's get moving on it. And I'm trying to do this in the next oh, 05 to 10 days. So I don't have a bank yet. I don't have anything yet. What I realize, if you don't move, you keep dreaming. Dreams never come true. You have to move on them. Uh, when I tried to develop property in Japan previously, I couldn't get the numbers to work out. It just was too hard trying to build from scratch. 
Uh, so now I've changed gear. Now I'm looking at used. That was uh, 12, 12 years ago, eight years ago, two thousand ten, uh, whatever year it was. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw Matt. I mean, his mic. I'll let him jump in. But what I one thing I do want to say as well is also in terms of financing, um, look at local banks. So yeah. maybe there's a local bank in, in Chigasaki, um, or or uh, um, you know, I, like just a, one of the small banks or small credit unions, they may be more um, helpful with financing than than a place like you know SMBC. Yeah, Sudagawa, or I'm sorry, Sudagan, uh, or Kanadawa banks are. Um, or I'm sorry, Shizuoka Bank uh, are definitely kind of a, strike a decent balance between kind of the SMBCs and then also the hyper local ones. Uh, usually, Suruga, uh, Shizuoka, hyperlocal banks—they're much more open to uh, doling out loads of cash, as it were. Um, they will tend to be a little bit higher. We're talking like between three and five percent, um, so far as uh, 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 what you're going to have to be paying on top of that is concerned. But it, it is, you know, a, a, quite a What's the word I'm looking for? Idiosyncratic, like it's case by case kind of thing. So you kind of don't know until you start digging. Any people you recommend in specific at those banks? People? No, they're all going to be the same. And to be honest, you know, unless you have, you're rubbing shoulders with the leaders of, you know, like Mitsubishi or Sumitomo or anything like that, uh, any, kind of doesn't matter who you know, they're, they're going to be a bank. They're going to be dealing with you like a customer. Okay. And then on the investment versus home loan, uh, which is the faster, easier route? For example, and let me, because I hadn't put any thought into this, I find a room by accident as I'm in this mode. So I'm literally, even though I'm a three-year-old, I'm the three-year-old who suddenly wants to go fly an airplane. You're like, dude, you don't even want to walk yet. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. I'm like, you know, no, it doesn't matter. I want to fly. <laughs> As markets go, Japan. As markets go, Japan is probably one of the safest and more forgiving places to uh, get into the property market. I'd say. Really? So, would it make more sense? And just bear with me for a second here. If I'm going, I'm on uh, high speed. And what started this whole thing is I'm in a rental unit. It's pretty expensive, and they just hit me with the uh, the koshindio, mm -hmm. and I'm like, I'm like, you guys are idiots. You you treat me like shit. The place is a crap, and you want me to pay a cushion? I'm like, well, fix all these things first, and I'll think about paying your stupid your stupid fee there. Mm -hmm. Because I've asked for two years for these things to be repaired. I feel like I'm in a danchi. The danchi is cleaner than this place. Mm -hmm. And this is supposedly Kokyu Mansion, you know, supposedly the upper, upper crust. You know, we've got all the, the Maseratis and the BMs out there in the parking lot. Everyone's fancy. But the bill is not fancy. So I'm like, screw it. Yeah, we just go and buy a place in Chigasaki. Stay out of this rat race. Be by the beach. Oh, and while I'm doing that, I know a company that wants to is looking for a place for their office. Oh, I know somebody wants a coffee shop. Why don't I just do it all at once? <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Maybe <laughs> listening to you guys. Maybe just yeah, do the Dylan, residential FYI, first. FYI, yeah. that's exactly what I did. Uh, I was living in Hamamatsu, paying all sorts of cash for you know the yeah. small kind of POS apartment. Um, this, that, and the other thing, and. Kind of everything came together, and it's like you know what, fuck it. Uh, I like being down in the east. I'm near Atami, right? I moved to Atami last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in a gigantic, what was an ex, or I'm sorry, what is an ex corporate retreat 
uh, mountaintop in the forest, but also overlooking the ocean, like 20 minutes to the beach. Everything um, in a time it looks over the ocean. What are you talking about, man? The place is yeah. awesome. I know. It's great. <laughs> right? So your dream's totally doable is what I'm trying to tell you. Well, I like it. So here's where I'm going after this is I'm, I'm literally, you know, it's golden week and I want to go out and get a loan from a bank. Ooh, that's not a good time. That's, that's when everyone shuts down. Because I have to pay this stupid uh, fee, like, today or tomorrow they want me to pay. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not, not interested in doing this. Well, you're not so going to walk out of the bank with a loan, though. It'll take them a bit longer than that. I, I know that. that that's, why I'm, that's why I'm throwing out this. It's a Hail Mary pass if you play American football. Or maybe I just double down and go, you know what? Screw you. I'm moving. And then I just have to figure out how to do it in two months. So let me... Let me uh give you my, my general suggestion, so uh, my general response to your situation. Um, and just to quickly sort of reset, so I'm a real estate agent here in Tokyo, and my focus is on um, like foreigners, or often like mixed families, purchasing a, their own family home in Tokyo. Okay? Um, so generally, it's like, you know, like people like myself, will be a foreign husband or a wife and with a Japanese spouse, or maybe both are foreign. Um, and they've been here long term and they think it's time to buy a place. Maybe they've got kids or maybe not. But usually it's, you know, uh, people looking to just reside family permanently um, in, in Japan and buy their own place. Now, quite, it's quite common people say, look, just for example, your rent is 200,000 yen a month. And you go, man, my, what people say, look, in, we're, we're in uh, April now. So it's April now and people say, look, in August my, is my, rental, my lease renewal, I want to buy a house before then, because I don't want to pay the 200,000 yen or 100,000 yen caution of your renewal fee, right? My, my general response to that is, don't decide a half million dollar or one million dollar purchase on saving 200,000 yen, okay? If you, like, it's fine if you find the right property before August, before your renewal period, fine go ahead and, and try to make the move before that time. But if you don't find the right property, pay the 200,000 yen renewal, take your time, find the right property. Okay, because buying the wrong property or the not perfect property is not worth the 200,000 yen you've saved in renewal for. That's my general approach. You will almost certainly end up paying far, far more than that to fix the problems that you didn't see. Yeah. Oh, you just like it was good to climb to the top of the mountain to get your sage words of wisdom. For sure. And <laughs> that. Now, the other thing I'm going to say is that it's also quite common for people to think, you know, investment property or personal home. Which one should I do? Generally, in most cases, the investment property people are considering is not as substantial as a potential personal home. So. If, if people are looking to buy their own personal home, maybe they're looking at 50 million to 100, 100 million yen, so 500,000 to a million dollars, right, is kind of the budget in, in Tokyo if you're looking for a house, a property, um, is pretty common. If they're looking for an investment, they're looking for something, you know, maybe one third of that or a quarter of that. The problem is, you know, if you purchase an investment property for 20 or 30 million yen, even though it's an investment, it will, and then later you decide, look, I want to get a home loan. The bank will say, look, you've already got an investment property. This, you've already got a loan, a mortgage. This will 
this impacts negatively your ability to get the full financing you would like for a home loan, right? So uh, what happens is, you know, people want maybe one of them, they want a holiday house or like a some sort of, you know, in, in Nagano that they can put on Airbnb and it will cost them, you know, 15 million yen, so $150,000. They'll buy that, they'll get some investment loan or whatnot and put 15 million yen into that. And then when they want to get their personal home in Japan, in Tokyo, the bank says, you know, you want to go to 15 million yen loan. So instead of giving you 80 million, we're only going to give you 65 million for your property in in Tokyo. And like, well, that's not enough. Okay. So sometimes, um, so what I generally tell people is get the more expensive property first and then decide on your, your smaller investment um, loan. Don't let the cheaper investment loan take away your ability to purchase your primary home. Um, and the, one of the big reasons for that is the primary home loan, um, primary residence home loan, the Jutaka loan, the bank will give you 100% or 105% financing. So that's a full purchase price of the property plus maybe even 5% of closing costs. The bank will pay the whole thing and the interest rate is like 0.6, Okay, um, An investment loan is not that good. So by having an investment loan, you kind of waive your your ability to get this great home loan deal. So that's my take. Like, secure your primary residence first, and then consider the, the home the investment. In your case, it feels a little bit tricky. Um, I, I think you know you're still brainstorming ideas. You know. Uh, the fact that you want to purchase, you want to do a cafe and some residential properties, like basically it's an investment structure that you also live in. Is it necessary that you also live in it, right? Um, I feel that that could have been an idea you came to just because you thought I can get one home loan and use part of my house for, for like there's a cafe and some investment. That's but that's what not I was actually, thinking. Yeah. And that's not exactly do- actually doable. Right. So what may be a more realistic approach in terms of leveraging bank finance at the best rates and getting the most amount of money with the least outlay and least interest. You know, even if you want to be in Chigasaki, okay, buy a personal home in Chigasaki and nearby, you know, set up a KK, get a corporate loan to set up a restaurant and and B and B or small little rental places. Right. Think of them as two separate approaches, two separate structures, um, because I don't think you're going to be able to do what you want, get the financing that you want if you want to put it all in one sort of building. I would say to another another thing that's very specific to what I work with, which is the Akia and stuff, is usually when you're talking about financing, you usually want to be above at least 10 million yen. We've ran into, I wouldn't call it a problem because it's so cheap, but, you know, we've sold houses and various types of properties for, you know, say 3.5 million. And when when you have something that low, the bank looks at you just like, "What, what the hell are you coming to us for? Right, um, so there's definitely kind of a price, uh, uh, a floor price minimum that you're also going to want to keep in mind. Three point five million. What are you buying? Uh, a shanty? A toilet? Oh no, these are these are huge, huge houses. This uh, one that I'm thinking of right now that was three it was three point three actually. We got it down from five point five, but that one's out in Gunma. 
but that was a full two-story, I think it was 700, 600 square meters and like 1,200, I think, square for the prop The property, like the land, was over 1,000, and the, the house itself was, I think, 600. I'd have to look at her numbers again. Or a, or a pretty high-yielding investment condo unit in, um, not in Tokyo and Osaka, but in many other cities, three and a half million is very doable. That's why Kigasaki so is also attractive because those prices, like once you get that far out of the city, the prices do start falling. I, I wish I'd known that two years ago when I actually had money in my bank account. So, and for anyone who's not in Japan, three and a half million is roughly the equivalent of thirty-two, thirty-three thousand U.S. dollars. So it's, it sounds like millions, but it's not. Yeah. You, you could buy like a kind of not shitty car for that. Yeah. <laughs> but the deposit on my house in Hawaii was two hundred fifty thousand. The, the deposit. The, you know, not not the loan. I had to pay that in just to get the loan for just a single family home. Yeah, right. That's absurd. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, well, what's going to go in? What have I been doing, man? Well, where have you guys been all my life? Clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> We're here every Wednesday, one thirty p. So, just to give you a bit of a, an idea with the home loans in Japan versus other countries, I'm, I'm Australian. It's quite in Australia. It's almost always twenty percent deposit. You need to put twenty percent down payment, and the bank will finance eighty percent. In Japan, when it's your primary residence, right, a jutaku loan, it's the bank will give you a hundred percent or a hundred five percent financing, and um, the interest rate is like we just did a, a contract with a, at a bank um, at Shinsei Bank yesterday. No, no, sorry, it was yesterday. It was uh, Prestia, and zero point six seven percent is the interest rate, um, which is just a, a great deal. And that's why I say the most value you can get um, in terms of leveraging finance and invest investment, we talk about rent, you know, rental yields and, and whatnot, I feel the number one deal you can do immediately is purchase your own home because you are your own tenant. Everything you're paying, so let's say you use a 70 million yen loan, for example, on a Namasemai 70 million yen loan, so $700,000, is about 200,000 yen a month. Of that, about 85% is principal, right? So if you're, instead of paying 200,000 yen a month for rent, right? Um, yeah, it's like so over, over the life of the loan. Three years ago when I knew this information, well, I, well, you can I still didn't do it staying in Japan to begin yeah. with. I, I well, you can still do it now. Yes, may I ask you something? Because uh, I, I really like oh. the logic so you have. You have thinking, you have to first buy your home your own home, like, and then invest in some other properties. But I was thinking that, you know, I was looking for some, um, for my own home. So I was looking for the perfect opportunity, the perfect uh, um, uh, home for my children to grow up. And then while looking at it, you know, five years, five years passed. So within these five years, I could have invested some, you know, I could have taken a loan and invested in some properties that I don't want to live in. I, I totally agree with that, by the way. Uh, Emil uh, will give you his own spiel on purchasing for the long term, but I think that's um, that's a very valid point. Extremely. No, I, but, but I realized that right, you know, like five days ago, that, damn, five years ago, I wanted to, you know, buy a house. I couldn't because there was nothing, with nothing you could, you know, think, imagine yourself living in. And within that time, I could have maybe, maybe, Invested and bought a cheap house that I could have, you know, um, rented to someone, and it could have maybe half of it could, could have um, paid off already. Exactly. Well, so that, 
I'm, I'm going to, like, for that, those numbers don't work out. So in five years, they're not paying off half. Um, but what, what I will say, right? How, well, how of course, you're right. You're right. But, but no, you're not these days, by the way, but up until... Up until five years okay. ago, it was definitely still uh, possible. Now prices have gone up. No, but when we started working a meal, we had properties that covered themselves within eight years too. Oh, yeah, but that so that's you know definitely a, that's the investment side of thing, right? But so one thing you need to remember is okay, when you talk about investing versus versus primary residence, here's my take on it. The, people say I, you have to decide one or the other. You don't, right? When you buy a per, your personal home, there's not really a lot of opportunity cost. You don't miss out on an opportunity. Let's say you have 10 million yen of cash savings. It doesn't really matter because when you buy a personal home, the bank will pay for everything. You don't need to use your 10 million yen of cash. You can then later use your, after you buy a personal home, you can later use your 10 million yen of cash to buy that investment property if you want to buy it outright. That's fine. Okay. But um, yeah, so it's kind of unrelated, all, almost. But what, what what I was saying before in terms of the loan is okay. When you have a zero point seven percent interest rate, which is what current home loans are, the standard loan term is thirty five years. Over a thirty five year term at zero point seven percent, you're going to repay back about fifteen percent the total property value into as as interest. So if you buy a seventy million yen property, okay. Um, at the end of 35 years, you've paid the bank 80 million yen. That's a total of about 10 million yen of extra interest cost, which is actually tiny. Okay, what that equates to is about 15% of the total value. Whereas in, in Australia, when interest rate is 4 to 7%, you're paying double. If you buy, buy a $700,000 property, you've paid $1.4 million to the bank at the end of it. Okay, so. When I say the interest rate is so low, it's instead of paying rent, pay your you're basically paying off your loan. Um, so every year, if it's two hundred thousand yen a month, is you're paying on the mortgage on a seventy million yen loan, your mortgage is going down two million yen per year, right? So in ten years' time, that's twenty million yen, two hundred thousand dollars that you've paid off your mortgage, um, and you can't get a better deal. Than that, because uh, uh, uh. <laughs> oh, oh no no so okay, but then there's the Akia. I mean, yeah, I depends know. on your I definition of deal. I was gonna say. <laughs> well, okay, well no no because no, you have to remember right. So in terms, of what's the cost? The banks paid all of it. You can like you because now you have a, a ten million yen asset, right? Sorry, a, a, a seventy million yen asset. Right, and look, people that are looking to buy a 70 million property aren't looking to also live in Akia. It's a different kind of approach. So, look, yeah, if someone's looking to live in Akia, then yes, that's you know, you're, that's what you want. But you're not going to be looking for a 70 million property and then think, oh, no, nah, I'd rather buy just the Akia. I think it's a different kind of clientele. Sure, it can be. Um, just anecdotally speaking, uh, I know any number of people who have picked up, you know, between, usually it's between like two and like you said, seven, uh, or seven, not 70 uh, million yen spots. There's a lot of B&B stuff, cafes, things like that. Um, they've paid, and of course they're buying in cash. There's no financing involved most of the time. 
Um, and they're paying off, like the, the buildings are covering themselves generally, I would say within about two years. Um, of course, like you said, it's a different clientele, right? Um, and it's really kind of a, a different world in a sense. Um, but there are kind of alternative options out there that what we've seen thus far, uh, you know, they, they end up bringing in money. It just doesn't look like what the business normally looks like, if you know what I mean. I would just, um, just to give you guys a rough idea on the investment properties that are available. So they're starting from around, depending on the city, so prefectural capitals and uh, th um, not secondary cities like Fukuoka or Nagoya, but third uh, third tier cities like Kumamoto, Hiroshima and so forth. Properties start at about um, 2 million yen, so about 20,000 US. And... To, to to get the cash cows that would really generate the highest possible yields, you would usually cap it off by about 8 million yen. In Tokyo and Osaka, you'd maybe go as far as 12 million yen for a cash cow. Um, and they will generate, again, depending on the city, anywhere from... We usually don't don't look much below five percent. So let's say as a minimum five percent, you can get something that'll generate less yield, but it's not very attractive. Anywhere from five percent to about nine percent net pre-tax per annum. So including all of your purchase and known running costs, but not including your individual tax situation and not including unknowns like maintenance and vacancies and so forth. So we can make assumptions on those, but basically. Net pre-tax, um, anywhere from 5 to 9%, and you can buy in pretty cheap. So if your budget is 100K, for example, you could get two or three of those if you want more diversity. Yeah, but see, that's, you need 10 million yen of cash to buy a 10 million yen property. Yes, yeah, strictly I'm cash. Saying you need, yeah. I'm saying you need almost zero cash to buy a 70 million yen property. Right. Yeah, not, not, not as an argument against uh, getting a loan for your family yeah. home. I'm just explaining what sort of investment properties are available. So like you said, if you get 100% financing for your home loan and you've still got that 100,000 US to play with, that's what you can get. Yeah, and that, that's that's why I say get the, get the, you can, for almost no money down, you can get seven times your annual income. So if you earn about 10 million yen a year, gross, you're a salary man, the bank will give you about 70 million. Right, so the bank will give you 100% financing. You now own a 70 million yen asset, and then if you still have that 10 million yen cash, right, or 15 million cash, you can go do the investment route that that Ziv and Matt are talking about, or probably even even less money. But you you just just signing your name on a piece of paper, you stop you go from no longer paying rent, which you're still going to need to do, right, to owning owning your property. Okay, um, and that's why I think do it. That, that's the best deal because the bank is paying for it and charging you very little in terms of interest. And you are now instead of paying your rent, you now own the property. And then, yeah, if you want to do something else and invest your money in Akia or, or a, a different type of investment, you can do that. But I, I feel that's the the very high yield, like because basically you go to getting two hundred thousand yen a month of rent which is your own savings um not i don't think any of that like with with no money contribution or very little money contribution there's nothing else you can do with such little money contribution that's going to get you you know two hundred thousand yen uh, in my example of of rent yeah absolutely a month that's a month so it's interesting on this uh on this discussion 
it's almost a benefit to go with the uh, larger space than to go with a giddy giddy just good enough. And uh, your thoughts on transactions you've seen in the past for that. If you're getting if it's your primary residence at such low interest rate, uh, you're actually going to hurt yourself if you go with a smaller number. Unless you're talking about resale value, which is fairly low here in Japan. Your thoughts on that? Um, well, resale value is, it depends where you purchase. Um, you, the building depreciates, not the land. Okay, so if, you, if you're in a good location, um, then yeah, it's the, there's a floor price for the, the land value, the location value. It's a building depreciates, and depending on the structure, it has anywhere from like you know a twenty to forty year life um, by accounting standards. But I tell people when you're looking for your own personal home, it's where do you want to raise your family? You know, for for the other person on stage, um, I'm not sure if that's your name or what I'm meant to how I'm meant to pronounce it. Um, uh, for the what your um, But yeah, like it's where you want to raise your family. So there's a lot more to it. Not it's about your lifestyle, where you want to live, not purely an investment play when it's your own personal home. And so the last piece is when I went to go purchase the home previously and I was looking at investment, all the things I looked at, got the bank, got everything lined up. One of the comments they mentioned was age is important when getting a loan in Japan because we don't want loans to go beyond 80 years of age. I'm now 52 and so that weighs in on my decision your insights and working with the banks. Yeah, so that's, it's a very straightforward calculation. I said um, earlier, standard loans in Japan are 35 years term, okay? You can get it shorter, you don't really get it longer for a home loan, for your Jutaku loan. But once you turn, it's 30, maximum of 35 years or it must be paid off by your 80th birthday. So once you turn 45, then the loan term will decrease, the maximum loan term will decrease to 34 years. And as you get older, it will turn 30, um, 33, 32. So in your case, you're 52. So by your 80th birthday, you have 28, probably 27 years, 27 years is the maximum loan term you're able to get. Now, when the bank calculates your repayments, they say, look, you know, Dylan, the most based on your income, the they calculate the most you can repay is one third of your you know, annual income to the mortgage, let's say 200,000 yen a month is the most you can pay. They say, okay, 200,000 yen a month over a 35 year term is 70 million yen. Hold on, we can't give you a 35 year term. We can only give you a, what is it, a, a 27 year term. So 200,000 yen monthly repayments for 27 years is gonna be, instead of 70 million, 40 million yen, for example. So the most you can get is only a 40 year term. That's right, a 40 million yen loan, right? Because they calculate what your maximum monthly or annual um, rental, uh, sorry, repayment capacity is based on your income. That's how they calculate it. Interesting. Right? So you can't say, oh, you know what? Give me my 70 million and I'm going to pay, I have to pay it back twice as fast. So instead of paying 200,000 a month, I'm going to pay 400,000. I say no. Actually, four hundred thousand yen a month is well above your financial stress limit. We give you a loan based on a two hundred thousand yen repayment, not a four hundred thousand yen repayment. So the most you can pay two hundred thousand yen. If you're under thirty, uh, under forty-five, great. That's we'll, we'll calculate that out for thirty-five years. But in your case, oh, they're going to calculate two hundred thousand yen a month 
for only 27 years. So right, so there's, the maximum, my, there's my ceiling. Good calculation insight. Yeah. Okay, so and that's the that's the that's the after tax number they're using, not the uh, before tax. Uh, no, number. I, I, it's gross. It's gross, but it depends if you're a, a salaried employee or a business owner. But in general, if you're just a straight up salary salary man, um, say Cheyenne, then they'll look at your gross. Um, if you're a business owner, then it's a bit different. They look at your net sort of profit after your expenses and and, and depreciation, etc. And uh, and they'll also look at. Um, uh, and if you're a business owner, then they'll also generally want just uh, twenty. They'll want twenty percent deposit. There are some banks, some situations we can do where we can still get you one hundred percent financing, but um, it does depend on sort of your residency, if you're a permanent resident or not, if your spouse is Japanese or not, um, how long your business has been operating, and so forth. A bit of an offset to that, Dylan, is um, your investment properties. If you do end up purchasing any investment property in cash. You're carrying your uh, purchase costs forward for three years. So for the first three years, you're probably not going to be paying uh, much tax on them. But from the fourth year onwards, they're going to be factored in as income. So that does increase your income for those calculations as well. So it does offset the um, your age limit a little bit. This this has been an amazing session. I've got a work meeting happening in 20 minutes. Uh, but this has been probably my, my most important meeting in the past two years. Uh, We're here every Wednesday. Right? So give me uh, every Wednesday. I didn't know well, that. Good to hear. Good luck concentrating in that meeting, by the way. <laughs> oh, I can part, I can parse these things out. Uh, basically, my next sh my next uh, shot is to just run down to Chigasaki, get to know the neighborhoods, and see what's uh, what's up and what's not. Yeah, if you're interested in digging around possibilities, uh, get in touch. We'd be happy to uh, see if we can dig up anything for you. All right. Well, I just shot an email, uh, text off to Matt. I'm sorry, to email. I'll send you as well here, uh, Matt. Sure, no, I got it. You guys I, work I, I, together. You guys separate here. Uh, separate. separate. No, can I ask a question? Uh, yeah, uh, sorry, can you just tell, uh, yeah, you can just give us one second. Um, we'll just wrap up with Dylan, um, and then we'll actually we'll jump onto Perth for a sec um, and see what he has to say, and then Ascari will, will go to you if that's okay. Um, yeah, no, so, so just briefly, yeah, where we are separate, but we all deal with different sort of businesses. Um, so that's why we think we have a, a good, um, I say we are, um, we're, we're, like amongst the three of us, we can probably answer a lot of your questions. Yeah, quick reset um, again, but, maybe, I mean. Sure. Um, okay, but yeah, Dylan, do please reach out. Um, yeah, I, I did. I we'll do. We'll up. do. And we'll, we'll, we'll go on the stuff and sort of discuss. On, uh, sure. your, your insights here for free on this Clubhouse app are priceless. And access to this kind of information is such a quick trap. Uh, Dylan, if you want to get it offline, um, click on my profile. There's a podcast that we put out every week that's got a lot of this information in it as well. So you don't actually have to be live on Clubhouse. I love that you guys probably saw the phone thing show up on my profile there, right? Uh, I, I did not actually. I didn't oh, see it. Um, do you, not, do you not have second. the updated... You have the updated version of. of I do, but it's yet. not it's not working for some reason. I, I was just saying, there's a um, I do a weekly podcast on all things Japan real estate, but specifically investment usually. So if you want to listen offline to some, uh, and there's a lot of topics. If you scroll down the episode list, a lot of uh, basic topics that you might want to listen to as well. Oh, Ziv, Ziv, all right, Ziv, I give you a follow as well. Run over mm -hmm. and uh, how I grab people on here. Japan real estate, give me a follow here, and message. Alrighty. 
Thanks so much for your question. I'm, good. Thank, I'm all good. Thanks so much. I'm, I'll be on stage just uh, taking notes over here before my meeting. Press on with your room. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks. Um, and let, so let's move to, to Farron and Ascari. Um, jump to your questions. Uh, and just a very brief reset. Yeah, thank you everyone for jumping on. Um, if you have any questions about real estate in Japan, either um, personal home and home loans, investment properties, or Akia, the abandoned homes in the regional areas, please do push the hand raise icon and myself, Ziv, and Matt will be happy to answer your question. We've got, so we've gone to Ferronex and then Ascari. Uh, Ferronex, sorry. Um, you, uh, oh, it's all right. Question. Um, well, basically, you, you answered all my questions uh, since I, uh, last time I, uh, uh, you know, I precipitated, precipitated in, the, in the topic. Um, but little small off-topic question by which we are having a talk. Uh, my cousin um, moved about half a year ago to Japan, to uh, Yokohama. He's living there right now and he's planning to live there because he followed his, um, his uh, love of his life to Japan. Which is, uh, 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 yeah, she's Japanese. He's, he's from Turkey. I'm, I'm living in, in Germany and working here, so completely different countries. Uh, and he's, he's right about uh, learning Japanese and, and improving his skills. Um, if you have any, uh, like, uh, shouldn't be a, cert, a decent job, but um, you know, for beginners, something that uh, that helps him learning Japanese while working. Uh, I would be glad if you have, or if you have some tips where you can start. Um, he should follow Dylan, the guy who was just up here having uh, speaking. Um, Dylan knows a lot. Uh, he he runs a regular room about uh, Japanese language learning. Uh, but there are lots. Oh, right. in, there are lots on on Clubhouse about that. Um, yeah, but I think in terms of chat, like that's to be honest, that's a topic for. A, different room and we can get into that I was going to say uh, fear he can help you he can help you search for investment properties on the Japanese property websites that's a good way to brush up his Japanese yeah yeah that would be nice uh, I thought like you, you could learn while having an internship especially in, in the real estate market so that you know that would add up to the plan of doing such business as you well, hit me up with a follow and send me a message. I'll uh, I'll see if there's something that we can help him with. I don't know if it'll be a paid internship, but we can give him some tasks that'll help him if he wants to uh, to practice. Great, great. He doesn't need money. He just you know he just needs practice. And, and yeah, no worries. Hit, hit me up and I'll uh, I'll see what we can do for him. Thanks, Bert. Um, thank you for holding out. Sorry, sorry, I can get to you sooner. Please shoot ahead with your question. And am I pronouncing your name right, Ascari? Yeah, yeah, you're fine. Um, yeah, so I, I, I know there's like a, a declining population in Japan. So I'm really curious. It sounds like the loans are at or near zero percent. I, I came in late, um, and they have more variable terms in the United States. Is that correct? For like length of term. Uh, well, the, the term is 35 years. I'm not sure what the term length is in the U.S. Um, are, are you in Japan, actually, or are you just curious about it? Uh, I've been to Japan. I mean, I've been looking at doing um, more real estate investment. Um, so I was just curious, like, how does the loan structure work to where you're putting down so little and, and the bank's still getting the return? The investment loans are totally different, though. He was talking about home loans. Okay. Yeah, so in, in Japan, primary, like if it's for your primary residence, you get a special deal. 
it's like you know no money down 100% financing and the bank and the interest rates are very low but it's for your primary residence you cannot do that for multiple properties right because then there'll be a out of control bubble right everyone will be doing it um, it's only for one property if you want to change your property and get another home the bank will want you to sell your first home you can all change one of them to an investment loan and generally an investment loan is 20 to 40% deposit and 2 to 4% interest rate not nearly as attractive as the the previous one and you can't use the equity in your home loan like built up equity as as kind of a a deposit or mortgage for the next investment so it's it limits it because of that it controls sort of the out of control um investment like buying etc but as we were telling Dylan before um, you can definitely I mean for the amount of cash deposit that you'd normally put down for a house in the US like he was saying 250,000 for his Hawaii home um, for that amount you'll be buying three or four investment properties in Japan in cash oh really like I mean I I've only been to say like the urban parts in Kamakura so I'm not familiar with like Japan as a whole. Well, um, Japan I, urban I is not just Tokyo though. Japan urban is a lot of big cities uh, aside from Tokyo and Osaka. So Tokyo and Osaka prices are probably similar to what you're used to from uh, other countries around the world. But Nagoya, Fukuoka, Kyoto, Sapporo, um, and the uh, prefectural capitals like uh, Saitama, Kumamoto, etc. They're much, much, much cheaper. Okay. And... Um so what are sort of like the rental rates that you would see if you're in, say, uh, one of those prefectural cities or Kyoto or some other place? Um, net pre-tax, we were just saying before, I think before you join, net pre-tax, it's um, depending on the location and the age and the size of the property, um, anywhere from 5 to maybe 9% uh, net pre-tax per annum. Oh, that's that's really nice actually yeah and the tenants are a lot easier than what you'd be used to in the US even at the low income levels so like as a foreigner do you need a Japanese partner to purchase I mean I've seen videos where people are talking about like difficulties of renting spaces or purchasing things uh, as foreigners in Japan so legally, no. The, Japan's actually the only country in the Asia-Pacific region that doesn't have any limitations on, uh, on foreign purchases uh, and ownership. But practically, um, just the professionals outside of Tokyo, Osaka, and maybe a few other international hotspots like Niseko or Okinawa, where the U.S. Army bases are, those places will have um, property professionals that can service foreigners. Um, in other places, it's a lot more difficult. Uh, so that's why that's actually the niche that we operate in is assisting the um, foreign buyers to buy and manage their properties uh, by giving the Japanese side a Japanese face to deal with. So the buyers give us permission to act on their behalf. And then we contact the uh, realtors, the property managers, the insurance companies, everybody that would be normally shy to work with foreigners. And we give them a Japanese company to deal with and then we can bridge that gap for them so uh, officially no no limitations no no problem practically it's a bit more challenging yes all right that's very illuminating thank you Zev. no worries 
Well, that was pretty detailed and deep. Hope you've enjoyed it as much as I did. And if you'd like to jump into the conversation, uh, we're on Clubhouse and Facebook Live uh, every Wednesday again at 1.30 p.m. Japan Standard Time. We would love to have you with us. And as Dylan says towards the end there, there are always plenty of priceless insights and precious little nuggets of information in these conversations. And we're all always happy to talk shop, so come and join us. Now, before we go, we're also, as always, going to tell you and also link to our other sponsor's website. That's Hiroshi Shimizu, immigration lawyer and administrative scrivener. If you're thinking about moving here on a more permanent basis or you are already in Japan on some sort of a more temporary visa and you want to switch to a longer term or permanent one, and also if you're considering setting up a local company or branch office of a foreign company and you've got any sort of business or visa-related inquiry, or even if you just want to find out what your options are on any of these topics, feel free to contact Hiroshi Shimizu. You can find him at japanimmigrationexperts.com and he can help you set up a company, apply for any kind of visa, or just provide you with the best advice and extremely affordable consultation related to these topics. And he's already done that for many of our listeners and our clients. So feel free to reach out to him. Again, that's japanimmigrationexperts.com, all one word, and you'll be well on your way. And that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Do share it with your networks and please let us know what you think. So leave us a short rating review on the iTunes store, on Spotify, wherever you're tuning in from, or just drop us a line in the comments section of wherever you might have found this episode. We love hearing from you. Hope to have you with us again next time. And until then, have a great day or night ahead. Yoshiku. Yoshiku.